Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Football fans, welcome to Morning Footy. We are halfway through the week. I'm Susanna Collins alongside Nico Cantor. The lovely Jordan Angeli is back. So happy to have you back. Alexis Guerrero. So we've got Jenny Chu with some headlines. Hey, girl. Hey. Hey. We're farther apart today. I know. It feels weird. I know. Yesterday, Nico, I, I, we went through the entire show, and I did not realize that Nico didn't have his mate, oh, which no. just doesn't happen. Yeah, I ran out of jerba, which is the, the loose-leaf tea that you put in here. Is that what you're carrying in this morning? Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. I made a, a, a late-day run to the market to get some to mm -hmm. get some jerba. And uh, here we are. Look, if you guys want to see, that's what I was missing. Mm. But I, I, I had and some... And again, folks, that's tea. Yeah, it is tea. <laughs> just in case. I, I had some, <laughs> I had some mate watching... I think debacle's too strong of a word, but watching the very uh, underwhelming performance yes. yesterday of the women's national yeah. team. So, um, um, I, I was motivated when I came in. Okay, so Nico brought it up, yeah. and Jordan is here. We didn't get a, a chance to chat with you about your thoughts on the mm. U.S.'s performance against scroll, Portugal. Scroll things, I know, I, I know, but now that we've, we've had kind of a, a day to, to digest it, and we've sort of heard everyone else's opinions, mm -hmm. what, where are you at with that performance and also their prospects moving forward in this tournament? I think a lot of things that were said yesterday were very valid points, you know, from some of the things that Carly Lloyd said to some of the things that Kelly O'Hara said, where this is a tournament. It's really hard to win the World Cup. Mm -hmm. And I think what has been interesting over the last couple of years, and I wouldn't even say it's the World Cup, is under Vlako Anonofsky, this team is just different. They, they, the expectation is for them to dominate the ball, to dominate the score, to dominate possession, to dominate the tempo of games. That's what we expect out of the U.S. team. And over the last couple of years, we have not seen that from this squad. So we have to know that this is who they are. And I think one of the things that is difficult about the game yesterday is there – I said going into this tournament, they have to be adaptable. And they are not adaptable. They, they, they see something and they say they're going to stick in their 4-3-3. And that's how they're going to play. I would say their midfield changed a little bit. But why not go against this Portuguese side who plays so narrow? Go in a 3-5-2. Try to make it really wide with wing backs. And you have players that can do that. Go in a 4-4-2 diamond and try to match them man for man. Just adding some kind of different tactics, which we saw 
Serena Vegman do for England yesterday. Mm -hmm. It's just there's no ability to adapt, I would say. That's the, that's the concern. Mm -hmm. um, and when they get those one or two chances, which they did, they're not clinical. And we have seen them be clinical. But overall, it reminds me a lot of 2015. Everybody was talking about them going out of group stage. It wasn't the US performances. But they went into the knockout rounds. They tweaked some things. And they ended up winning. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't think you can count them out. But I would say. What feels weird is our expectation for this team is dominance, and they just aren't. It's just not a dominant squad like we've seen them before in the way that they are actually playing the game. Could, can they still win? Yeah, they can absolutely win. I think their defense have been, has been really good. But I think that's where this tension is coming is our expectations are mm. not being met. I want to grab a lot of parts from your answer and throw them back at you with a question. Given the fact that they're not dominant, that you don't expect them to be dominant, despite the talent that mm. they have, and the World Cup, I think we ex always the U U.S. at a Women's World Cup is win. That's like the standard totally. we have given collectively to this team. That's the expectation. Which, and that is, that's crazy. It's like only like Pep Guardiola in the Champions League is like mm -hmm. put that pressure, right? Because like to win the Champions League, it's, it's not easy. To win the World Cup, it's not easy. Now, how concerned are you about the Sweden game? I'm more concerned than I have been, I think, for this team, especially with who Sweden is and what they've shown us and some of the, the ways that they overload the midfield, which the U.S. have not mm. looked comfortable in this tournament at all when the midfield is overloaded. So they can bring in a player that plays wide and tuck them inside and, and make it difficult for the lone six, which we have seen as Andy Sullivan. Um, I'm still thinking that that is maybe one of the tactical tweaks you go into and say, hey, let's play Julie Ertz at the six mm. and bring in Alana Cook at, at the back line. So I'm, I'm concerned. I'm concerned at you have to be able to adapt in game. And that's, yes, it's on the coaching staff, but it's also on the players on the field to be able to recognize. But you got to keep the ball better. Mm. And that's there without was, Rose Lavelle now. Yeah, and that's without Rose Lavelle. They right. had two passing sequences with five or more passes that made it into the final third. Two. Wow. Two. That's wow. actually staggering. Mm. So their ability to keep the ball right now, and I don't think it is, it's clearly not the talent because the talent is there. It's, I think they're, they're not dominating the tempo of the game. And the tempo comes from how fast you pass the ball and how you move off the ball. And neither one of those is going well for the U.S. right now. It's almost like there is a, a timidness to the way that they're playing when they're going forward. Like they're so scared to lose it, where this has never been a team that has been scared of anything. And I think that that's confusing to people, too. Like fly forward with some energy, with some movement off the ball. There's a lot to yeah, talk about no, with this, but I, I think that the tempo, they have to up the tempo if they're going to compete with Sweden, especially off the ball. It's really good points. Um, in Group G, so as Jordan mentioned, Sweden has advanced. They beat Argentina 2-0. And South Africa, which we will talk about, uh, they beat Italy 3-2. So those are the two teams advancing out of Group G. I think, too, an interesting, an interesting point that you're making, too, Jordan, is that the U.S. are suddenly vulnerable. They're not this powerhouse. And I think that other teams, especially Sweden right now, are looking at the areas of weakness on this U.S. side and thinking they are entirely beatable. They already had a, a target on their back yeah. as the reigning champions. Yeah. yeah. 
Can but I make a small caveat? Of course, of course. They're, they're, they're suddenly vulnerable on the world stage. Yes. yes. Because they've been vulnerable for yes. a while now. But the last couple of years, they've looked. It's the, it's the time to turn, if, if there's a time to turn it around, it's now. I just, there haven't been any hints that tell me, they are okay, going, yeah. they, they, they can adapt, they can move, because Vlatko is a little bit rigid. A little bit. Yeah. Okay. I mean, he's kind <laughs> of Vlatko's proven through this group yeah. stage that he refuses to make the changes necessary. Uh -huh. And then and the personnel changes, like yes. the, the, the woman for woman changes mm -hmm. yeah. don't work. No, and you know, yeah, Roosevelt didn't start in the first game and we beat and we won, but Sweden is not Vietnam. This is gonna be a very tall task yeah. without what I would say is probably our best player in a midfield that has been really, really sort of weak throughout this entire group stage. But I think that when, what's crazy is you bring two center backs in and you haven't even played one of them. It's, like Alana Cook had, no was, was one of the starting center backs for a year and a half. Played a lot with Becky Sauerbrunn. And then all of a sudden, it's Julie Ertz in that spot. And I understand Julie Ertz is a game changer. I would put her in a starting lineup at all costs. But I think that that's not the change. Now you're going into a Sweden match where I actually think Alana Cook should play next to Germa and Ertz mm. should play in the six. Mm -hmm. Because if you're going to win first and second balls, if you're going to dominate the midfield, <laughs> that's who you want in there. Sure. But yeah, you haven't played Alana Cook at all. It's just a way, mind way game that I think. At a, in a round of 16 at against a World Sweden. Cup against Sweden. Yeah. <laughs> so You've played confusion. every World Cup in the last six World so Cups. So Suzanne is a Sweden fan. Apparently, I know. Gosh, <laughs> oh, we I keep got doing this. My, I know. <laughs> at least it wasn't on match right, day. It wasn't yeah. on game it day. Wasn't on match day. Um, Whatever. Go no, Netherlands, I guess. <laughs> 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 no, I do think Heather O'Reilly said said something too, though, that I thought was interesting. She was like, "Look, like, yeah." She was like, all of this criticism that we're throwing on this team is fair. Uh, it's deserved. But also, there's two phases of this, of a World Cup. There is the group stage, mm -hmm. and then there are the knockout rounds. And it's almost like mentality completely shifts when you move from the group stage to the knockout rounds because you're in these one-off games. You lose, you go home. Mm -hmm. And so for the U.S., I think we, we have to give them the benefit of the doubt that they have been there before. They know how to win a World Cup. That's fair. They have proven themselves in, in years past. And so I think, you know, this is a this is going to be the biggest, biggest test for them against Sweden. Yeah. And depending on, on how they come out, I'm just, I just want them to come out so full of fire, right. um, trying to prove everybody wrong. All of the, the people yeah. that are, that are looking at the, the areas of weakness and, and pointing them out. I just want them to come out super, super strong in this one and make a big statement. And to prove themselves right because yeah. they believe in themselves and the confidence of them. They're saying it all along. So I think yeah. um, Sunday morning, my hand's going to be over my heart. I'm going to sing the national anthem. I'm yes, going to support Jordan. this right. team. But, like, they've got some work to do. They do. I think that there's two things can coexist. We can be totally critical yes, about the national team because... They are the national team. After, after these three games, they deserve some criticism, but we can back them and support Absolutely. them because we, wa we, we want them we to want them to do up well. and we yeah. want them we to, want them to, to do correct well. that. Yeah, because like we know said. they can. Think too. about we how themselves. negative we are about qualifying because we didn't do good enough, and yet you have a team like South Africa that is just like, yo, oh, why? I don't no. care if we backed guys, in. South. I don't care if we did it in reverse, we're I here. love this World Cup <laughs> for too. the incredible storylines that we are seeing, and South Africa is one of them. They beat Italy 3-2. They advanced for the first time. This is their first World Cup win. I mean, just- And stoppage time. And stoppage time in this dramatic fashion. The scenes in their locker room were- How did we get there? 
Unbelievable. This is I mean, beautiful. I want to be a part of this. How do I get in there? Was that one girl putting lipstick on? I don't know. She's got something <laughs> She's, in her hand. I'm trying to see what it is. She knew the cameras were on. She was like, I got to get camera ready. But this is just, uh, I mean, this banana. is what it's all Let's about. Go. What a massive, massive moment for this team, this federation. It's just, it's just so cool. This is what I love about the Women's World Cup is some of these stories that you're, you get to see how much it means to some of these players, how much it means to some of these federations, how much it means to the fans in some of these countries. Just scoring a goal sometimes, just one win, you right? know? Oh. But to actually qualify, to get through the group stage for South Africa, especially this team, the, those women in, the, in that locker room will be talking about that moment forever. They, regardless of what legends. happens next. They forever. didn't play in their last build-up game because they, they were trying to get more money. Like the, the, the fact that they're even there is a miracle and now they advance. Mm -hmm. It just makes you so happy, and that's how they celebrate. Just together, the togetherness mm -hmm. is a beautiful thing. And I think that's super difficult considering this federation versus national team debate that's going on through many of these teams. The fact that South Africa is able to play and still be happy and through that adversity show that togetherness, that I've, that's not easy to do. No. And that's uh, commendable. It's, yeah. it's yeah. incredible, actually. You love to see it. All right, guys, uh, both of those Group F matches are final. France beats Panama 6-3, to three, and it is a scoreless draw between Jamaica and Brazil, which means, oh. drum roll, Jamaica Wild. is going through wow. Brazil. What year did you say? 96? From the World 95. Cup. 95. Wow. This is going to take a minute to sink in. Mm -hmm. this is wow. This is incredible. Wow. All right, guys, we are going to take a break, um, but Jenny Chu is going to be back with some headlines when we return. Don't go anywhere. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. All right, guys, for the headlines, according to multiple reports, Gigi Buffon, legendary Italian goalkeeper, is retiring from soccer, with an official announcement expected soon. Widely recognized as one of the best goalkeepers to ever play the game, Buffon began his career with Parma, making his Serie A debut back in 1995. He made a name for himself with Juventus, spending 19, season, 19 of his 28 professional seasons with the Serie A club. The beloved goalkeeper won numerous trophies in his storied career, including 10 Serie A titles, a Ligue 1 title, and also helped Italy win the 2006 World Cup. In Chelsea news, multiple reports have said that the Blues have extended 20-year-old centre-back Levi Caldwell to a six-year extension. Caldwell was a key member for the England under-21 squad that won the European Championship last month, where they conceded no goals all tournament. Caldwell took part in pre Chelsea's preseason tour in the United States and will look to secure a starting spot in Chelsea's backline opening weekend versus Liverpool. And staying in England, Arsenal and U.S. men's national team defender Austin Trusty is reportedly on the verge of joining Sheffield United on a permanent deal for a transfer fee of over $6 million. The 24-year-old defender spent last season on loan at Birmingham City in the championship. During that time, he earned 44 appearances in England's second tier and was named the club's player of the season before joining Arsenal for preseason this summer. Moving over to Saudi Arabia, Saudi Omane has officially signed with Saudi Pro League club Al Nasser on a four-year contract after spending one season at Bayern. 
Financial details were not disclosed, but reports indicate that the Saudi club paid $44 million. Mane, who will join Cristiano Ronaldo, is the latest addition this summer after the club signed Marcelo Brozovic, Seco Fofana and Alex Vegas as the club's summer signings. This is FIFA ultimate team in real life. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> and over here in the United States, New England Revolution head coach Bruce Arena was placed on administrative leave yesterday pending an investigation from Major League Soccer into alleged, quote, insensitive and inappropriate remarks. Arena, a former two-time coach of the U.S. men's national team, has overseen the revolution since 2019, and the team currently sits in second place in the league's Eastern Conference. According to a report from The Athletic, the team was informed that he would not be attending their training on Sunday. Kurt Onalfa will be made interim sporting director, and Richie Williams will be appointed interim coach. Nico, the Revs play the League's Cup tomorrow. How does this impact the team in that match? It's strange how... The Revs suddenly are going to have to steer the ship without the guy that has given them so much success. And I don't want to speculate onto what was said, but clearly, depending on the severity, we might or might not see uh, Bruce Arena. He's also the sporting director of the club. So it's a lot up in the air and like nobody has an answer. Like you look on, on, on socials, you look on... Mm -hmm. Not even the athletic. The athletic. The, 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 Paul, where's pa Paul Tenorio? I know. Music to me? I Break this news, man. I yeah. feel like you yeah. guys are always the ones to I get looked. the inside scoop, and no, nobody has it. It's being kept under wraps. Let's see what it is before we, we jump to any conclusions. Um, but guiding, it's not headless because Kurt Arnolfo has been, he has been with, a, with a, Bruce Arena. And he's, he's been, been a head, been a head coach. coach before. Yeah, he's very but familiar. Let's see how in rhythm they'll still be without Bruce. They have the quality. They have a side. I feel like you can kind of go a couple games without mm -hmm. your head coach. Mm -hmm. But the we'll thing, see how long this lasts. The thing that concerns me, though, is that because there is so much, we, we don't know what, what happened and, and what was said, and they there's no timeline. You know, we don't know how long he is going to be without the team. And so if, for, if you're a player, I think having that question in your head, well, it's like, well, how long are we sort of navigating uh, this nebulous situation? Like, what, what does this look like? I think that can, it, that's only the sustainable for so long. Yeah. That they probably also, put in front office Their through. keeper is upset that there were offers made for yeah. transfers and they didn't accept. There's rumors that he wants to, or maybe he has already sat out training. There's, what, two days left in the transfer window. Mm -hmm. Your sporting director is now not available, so now you have to have someone else pick up. Maybe there's offers. Maybe there's a negotiation they're in the midst of mm. that now someone else has to finalize that. What does that mean for the club? It's, you know, obviously whatever happened, we don't know. It's unfortunate. It must have been... It's significant if we're finding out about this sure. and if, he's been if, asked if to... If there is an investigation yes. going on, then it had to have been something relatively serious but whatever to do it. But the timing of it is... I don't know. We don't the, know. The, the timing, timing of it difficult. is, just for the club and the club yeah. perspective... It's not it's great very, yeah, it's not. Yeah. It's very difficult. And not just how timing. well they've done after a last season when, when they weren't very good. They, mm -hmm. they go on and get the points record two years ago last year. It was rocky. They looked unstable. Then they found some stability again this year. They were looking good, brought some players in. That really helped them thinking, okay, we can go for this. We can mm -hmm. start to push again. And then to rock the boat again, it just, that instability, I think, is going to be an interesting one, how they deal with it. Hopefully and he's a league legend. Read. People forget, but this is a league oh, legend. Yeah. 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 Well. And an, I would say an icon of U.S. men's soccer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I hope they figure it out before MLS kicks off again yeah. because the Revs were fun to watch. They're a good team. Mm -hmm. They have new players. And 
it seemed like he was liked. It seemed like he, had, he was. It was his home. It was. Yeah, think of Boateng. Yeah. The videos of Boateng and him bringing his family and mm -hmm. how happy Bruce could do that for him. Like it's just interesting. It is. Mm -hmm. I, I think everyone was. I when I saw the news pop up on my yeah. Twitter timeline yesterday, I was very taken aback. So um, yeah, we'll we'll keep our eyes on this. Good one show, not for like Charlie, huh? Exactly. <laughs> Maybe this had to have been strategic play. Yeah. Right. Sorry, Charlie. guys. He knows something. Yeah. He's like, just can you wait until. <laughs> Not on the show. <laughs> Sorry, Jordan. Jordan, Mr. stop Plum. it. Yeah. We, lo we love having you here. Um, okay, guys, we're going to take a break. We are going to chat uh, today's League's Cup action when we return on the other side. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. The knockout rounds of League's Cup kick off today. Here's a look at Wednesday's fixtures. M Messi and Miami taking on Orlando City at 8 p.m. We also have Mazatlan facing FC Dallas. Pachuca taking on the Houston Dynamo and LAFC facing Juarez. That game at 10.30 p.m. Eastern. You can watch all of these matches on Apple TV+. Plus. We're going to chat Messi in just a hot second. But first, um, this is the first time we're going to see LAFC in the fold. They earned a bye into the round of 32 for winning Supporter Shield last year. Uh, Pachuca as well for Liga MX side. They had the best record overall. And so those two teams have now entered the fold. Juarez advanced after beating an Austin side. And it's been an interesting season for LAFC because mm. they started out really, really well. Mm -hmm. They were in CONCACAF Champions League which they ended up losing. And I feel like we, we talk a lot. I know you know this, Jordan. You're so familiar with the, the CONCACAF Champions League hangover yeah. that they Even MLS reference. Hangover. Exactly. Um, and it feels like LAFC has kind of suffered from that a little bit, especially getting um, losing that tournament. And they're, they're still in second place in the West. They are not, they are not a bad team yeah. by, by any stretch. But it's, they're just not at the form that we have been been used to seeing. They've had a nice little break. How do you think that they are going to respond in League's Cup? I think that break is going to be everything for them because this is a, a squad who won Supporter Shield, who won MLS Cup. Then you have less rest. You come into the season with more games because you're going into CONCACAF Champions League. It's difficult for those teams. And I think they suffered a little bit towards the end of May. You start to see them tiring out. They get some injuries. But I feel like these two weeks off, I think this is going to be a really good setup for this LAFC squad because they have the ability, especially in their midfield, which is really their powerhouse, right? They have so many players there who are so forward-facing, want to create transitions quickly but cover a lot of ground. They're now healthy back there, and, mm -hmm. and they have a number of players they can rotate in. 
I just feel like they have depth in, in a good spot there, mm-hmm. where again, Suarez, there's going to be spaces in transition, which they're so good at optimizing. And when you're a transition team, you put a lot of output in. And so that little bit of rest, I think, might prove to be crucial for them. That was the biggest weight that was holding them down, the amount of games, especially mm-hmm. after the blow of not winning CONCACAF Champions League. They couldn't get back on the horse. It took them a long time. And now they have a horse to get back on in, in Los Potros oh, of at, FC Juarez. Wow. You just um, did. Wow. But, uh, That's poetry. Yeah. <laughs> they, <laughs> thank you. They... I don't know how seriously Shirondolo is going to take this competition because maybe it's not his priority. Clearly, with the U.S. Open mm. Cup, it wasn't. We thought, we thought, hey, they can compete for MLS at the same time as CONCACAF Champions League at the same time as U.S. Open Cup at the same time as League's Cup. And when they played the Galaxy, like it's not like they played a, a random team, the Galaxy, they, he put out a B squad to all of our surprise. We had LASC winning the US Open Cup and clearly there are certain priorities. I don't know. That's that's a big question. Is Sharundalo after his two-week break? I'd be. I find it very difficult. Yeah, against against top competition, something that the league clearly wants. There's a break in the regular season for this for these competi- for this competition, which there isn't for U.S. Open Cup. Four games. They got the bye. There's four mm-hmm. games for them to win. You know, they five. Start, five. Right. Round no. of 32, 32, round of 16, 16 yeah. quarterfinal, quarterfinals, semifinal, final. No. Yeah, you're right. Five. Five wins. Math. Thank you. I'm, it's something I'm not good at. <laughs> two plus two equals whatever. Uh, but for me, it's this is five games to a to a title. You're playing against top competition. You know, yeah. and people forget like Carlos Vela is not the youngest person. You know what I mean? To give him this little bit of a break between him and Denny Bowanga, you've got 20 goals this season. They've clearly got firepower. They've clearly are a good team. I think they have really good direction. But we are now looking at the biggest test for Torundolo in his young management career, mm-hmm. at least that we've seen in the top flight. This is now an opportunity opportunity for, I think, to him to correct the wrong, especially when you have 12 games. The last thing you want to do is not take this serious and then slide into a 12-game rest mm. of season to try to win a trophy. This is a great way to go forward, and there's potentially a game against Messi. And it's different from to me from Open Cup because the competition is so different. You're mm-hmm. playing Liga Amekis, who the, the, there are players here that are looking at LAFC saying, hmm, that looks kind of nice. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think that he has the ability to put on a good show and this team has the ability to put on a good show in the way that they're playing to potentially keep drawing some of these players from this league and say, hey, come come play in MLS. And to really, you know, the whole thing is like they want to prove that they're top competition in North America. And I think that this is even in some ways like could be a better challenge than... CONCACAF Champions League. From mm-hmm. last you heard or read, since you're so well-versed in MLS, mm-hmm. what's up with uh, Chucky Lozano to LAFC? It, it's, I heard that it might be a done deal. Yeah, that's what that's, I saw yesterday. Yeah, that was the, the latest I read, that it was. it's basically they're waiting for a few that's final a things to be final. That addition. would be massive. And then they sold Absolutely the massive. Ecuadorian midfielder. I forget Caicedo. But very yes. good for... Ay, what's but then mean? also, I don't know if you saw it this week as well, Carlos Vela has you know kind of been speculating. He basically said like he knows that retirement is coming soon. Whether that means it's at the end of this season, we don't know. But he's only on a, a year contract here. So, you know, you start to think about where LAFC goes after he departs. Um, and 
moves like that bringing in a Chucky Lozano. My goodness. Like, yeah. Replace Chucky Lozano. Oh, hello. Carlos Vela with Chucky Lozano. Hello. It's a, it's a different way, but it's a great guy. Although I keep hearing that it's like no, no one knows for sure if this is real or not. But Tom Bogart said it, so I'm willing to accept it. Yeah. You know, he's, he's Tommy our. Scoops. Scoops. Tommy Scoops. <laughs> that mustache has all the secrets. It does. Bro. That's where he keeps it. <laughs> I know this. Um, let's chat quickly about Inter Miami, who suddenly, despite being uh, in last place in the East, Look like a completely different team with Lionel Messi and Sergio Busquets on the pitch, Tata Martino in charge. I mean, they look like legitimate contenders to win League's Cup. I, I, it's, it's still a big stretch for them to make the playoffs in MLS regular season. But think about this. They could win. They could win League's Cup. They could potentially win a U.S. Open Cup. Nico. So you're saying if you're if you if you are <laughs> taking home two trophies in a season despite not making the playoffs, is that a success? Despite for... being one of the worst teams yes. in Major League Soccer, <laughs> yes. you take home two trophies. What a hell of a season you had! Mm -hmm. And they're suddenly top contenders in League's Cup and in U.S. Open Cup. Tata Martino said it in the first words he said at the club that this season is almost a wash that he can't make give this team the identity that he wants to its full potential probably until next season. Mm -hmm. So again, we're at a honeymoon stage. It's amazing to see Messi, it's amazing to see Inter Miami hit the ground running like they have. Again, they're going to play at home. But to make it to that playoff line, you're going to have to be close to perfection through the next 12 games. Can they do it? Hey, I have Anything's full faith in possible. Messi. If Messi tells, says jump off the bridge, I'm going head first with my <laughs> mat in hand. Like, after what he's done in his career, if there's anybody I, I don't want to doubt. Be careful, because these AI voices, yeah. man, they're really good. Yeah, I mean, be careful. Yeah. Do you know what's amazing to me is that it is, it's just become must-watch TV. Like, it's I can't like, believe it's real still. I, I know. Yeah. Like, I am giddy for tonight, because I'm like, yeah. oh, I get to I have, watch I have Messi a dilemma. in Miami. What? Oh, Boca. Oh, At the same oh no, time. Nico. I'm not going to watch. What are you going to do? I'm going to watch Boca. Of course I'm going to watch Boca. Wow. Can you double screen this? So, this a, yeah, no, because then you, you don't watch both games. It's impossible. I double agree. screening is a myth. It. Why don't you put two screens and put like a little wall between and then one <laughs> eye will watch each. Chameleon's done. This is what I'm, honestly, this is what we're going to do. My cousins from Miami are visiting me this week. Uh, they, I have faith in mm -hmm. their soccer analysis. I'm going to watch Boca and they're going to watch Inter Miami You're on relying the on them to relay the game info? Yeah. These are teenagers, oh are they Lord. not? They're 17 That's years old. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, then, and, then Messi, and, then, and then they kicked the ball. There's going to be a lot of that. Yeah. Godspeed, yeah. Nico. Um, all right, guys, we are going to take a break. Mbizo Zamane joins us next to chat South Africa, Nigeria. We've got some great storylines from the African nations in this World Cup. That's coming next. Wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.
Welcome back. Well, we have seen some incredible performances and storylines in this World Cup, particularly from some of these African nations. This is the South African team celebrating. They are advancing to their first knockout stage in the World Cup after their first win. They win 3-2 over Italy. Scenes you absolutely love to see. And uh, right now, we are very pleased to bring in our good friend Imbizo Zamane, who is an expert in all things African soccer. First of all, Mbizo, it is so great to see you. How are you doing today? I'm fantastic on this momentous <laughs> occasion. <laughs> it is a momentous occasion. Can you talk about the scenes that we just saw from the South African team, um, what they have achieved in this World Cup? What does it feel like watching those moments for you? I mean, it's, it's absolutely beautiful. And, and, and of course, we hope this transforms the perspective on women's football in the nation. Uh, everyone is absolutely delighted. Everyone is behind the team uh, to, to come from the history that South Africa has had, very recent history, by the way, um, to, to, to dominate the world, we feel, in this way in football. It's just absolutely fantastic. And, and we're all absolutely buzzing. What were the expectations in Bizo for, for this South African team to, to achieve this feat? I'm not sure that uh, people would have universally thought um, South Africa would progress from this group. I mean, uh, not, not, a, not an easy group, certainly. Um, but uh, we, we, we definitely expected them to compete. I mean, South Africa has some talented players. Um, but this, this is certainly, uh, I think we consider it an overachievement. But it's, it's a testament to the potential that the nation has moving forward in women's football. By the way, sick kid. It's, uh, two, it must be 2010, right? Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. Nice. It's, a, it's a throwback. You just have that Beautiful. in your brain. You uh, just know. Yeah, you because pull got that the, like, the, the idea of this campaign, it looks, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Bizo, you talked about players on the South African squad. We've got to talk about my girl, Tembi Katlana, in NWSL. She tore her ACL just a year, I mean, her Achilles tendon a year ago, and she has come back looking better than before. How much has her performance on the world stage really proven what she can do um, it, for this South African team? I mean, what's obvious is that she's, she's absolutely key. Uh, and, and just her presence, I think, uh, uplifted uh, the rest of the squad and, of course, uh, uplifts the nation. Um, and, and so we're absolutely delighted that she was able to be to back and to be at this peak uh, performance uh, and to be a part of this this history being made uh, by Banyana Banyana. I want to ask a little bit about the, the some of the troubles that they had coming in. They're obviously not the only ones. Um, does this maybe change uh, how how backed they are by the federation or how much support this women's team can get? Because it always feels like qualifying out of one of these group stages sort of it lifts the spirits of the fans of the players. But does it change what happens behind the scenes? Well, we absolutely hope so. We absolutely hope so. Obviously, um, their difficulties, as you mentioned, uh, is a pattern that's been displayed uh, with a number of FAs, uh, including, of course, uh, uh, Canada, um, you know, Spain, uh, France, a lot of other teams, Nigeria as well, have had some difficulties with their FA, Jamaica. Uh, and so we're hoping that this will demonstrate, if they weren't um, 
they didn't have a right to this, these monies before and the sort of the treatment that professionals, uh, internationals should be getting, then certainly they are now um, as the pride of the nation. Uh, in fact, I might suggest that uh, Bafana Bafana's monies be diverted to Banyana Banyana because <laughs> the performances have absolutely been spectacular and, uh, and unexpected. But, um, you know, this is a debacle that should be sorted out. And I think uh, it's important that Safa understands uh, the value of, of women's football um, at, at every level, not just at the top level, but even at, at grassroots. And Biza, let's, uh, let's turn our attention to another team that you mentioned, Nigeria, who have also advanced to the group stage. They had that thrilling win over Australia, the host nation. Uh, but this is interesting because this was a campaign, as you mentioned, that almost didn't even get off the ground. The fact that they're even playing in this World Cup is fairly remarkable. They were going to potentially boycott their, their first match. Can you kind of shed some light on the struggles that this Nigerian side faced even getting to this tournament? Yes, absolutely. There were a number of, uh, of problems in their in their preparations. Uh, Randy Waldrum had uh, criticized the NFF for what he believed was uh, some some very frugal spending, um, and, and he feels that they didn't have necessary preparations, inadequate camping, unpaid wages, uh, poor travel arrangements, and, and so on and so forth. That uh, he himself claims that he had uh, a seven month salary backlog. So there was a lot of uh, difficulties, uh, and as you said, they considered uh, a boycott. Um, but it looks like things were, were sort of sorted out for now, for the time being. Uh, and moving forward, they're going to want to um, settle a, a few other issues. However, um, they were just uh, awarded some monies from FIFA directly, which is for the first time in history has happened in Nigeria. So they've, have to, uh, they've had to overcome quite a bit, um, but they've, they've done so. And of course, they've performed uh, extremely admirably. We were talking a little bit about some of these countries. You mentioned another uh, nation that has, uh, you know, suffered a little bit on their way to the tournament. But quick reaction, you know, just before uh, you came on with us, it looks like Jamaica knocks out Brazil, yes. qualifies for the knockout stages. Can I get your quick hot take reaction to this? I mean, this this was uh, this was an FA that was on the brink of, of not existing anymore, uh, you know. And uh, Sidella Marley, uh, Bob Marley's daughter, uh, came in with her passion that was passed down to her by her father. Uh, came in and 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 took care of this team, raised some money through through quite a number of, of initiatives, uh, concerts, world tours, uh, and she got them back on track. She funded so much, uh, and she's really a, a hero for the Federation. Uh, and as you can see, Jamaica has taken that opportunity and have pushed forward. And I think this should also help transform uh, the vision of the game, of the women's game in Jamaica as well, and hopefully across the Caribbean and across the world. Do you feel like having 32 teams at this World Cup is really going to be a launching off point for nations to say, hey, the talent across the world, the way that these teams can play, everybody can compete at this world level. Let's invest a little bit more and think about what we could do. Do you feel like this is going to be a good push for some of these nations that are in question? Absolutely. I mean, the only way you can grow uh, is through these kinds of exposures, is to understand what is what is uh, requisite at this level. And I think including some teams who you may have uh, raised some eyebrows before, I think is extremely important for the growth of the game. Uh, of course, the men's game is even expanding the number of teams that will be in the World Cup. Uh, and so I think it's a natural progression and it's a necessary progression to ensure that, uh, you know, uh, this World Cup is inclusive and that the game grows across the globe. Absolutely. All right, before we say goodbye to Mbizo, I kind of want to do something collectively. 
because I was inspired by his kit. So you guys want to follow me? I want to do an iconic celebration. Maybe he, he sees what it is. Ready? Okay. You guys follow me. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> and then go around. Yeah! yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you you prepped yourself. Stop you it. moved yourself out. We <laughs> <laughs> love it. Oh, and Bizo, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Always a pleasure to catch up with you. Absolutely, folks. The pleasure is all mine. All right, guys. We are going to take a break, uh, but plenty more to come on Morning Footy when we return. Don't go anywhere. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Is a raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love, rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.